On this episode, I ruin Kelsey's life with the Exorcist Trilogy. Welcome to Ruin My Life. I'm Kelsey Goldman. Hi, I'm Jason Edwards. I don't think it's very spooky. What do you mean? It's not as spooky when it's you doing the little tune. Don't you feel the autumnal chill in the air? I mean, I do because it's November and there's the windows open, but... There's, there's a quiet desperation among the land, across all of Georgetown. All of Georgetown. A gray mist moves across the world. Accurate. Things mm-hmm. are muted and quiet and sad and a little bit spooky. A little bit spooky. A little bit eerie. Maybe you feel like you're seeing a lot of priests around town. There's a lot of fucking priests. <laughs> because on this episode, we're talking about The Exorcist. Woohoo! Now, it is my personal theory that the exorcist trilogy is if not the perfect horror movie trilogy in terms of quality then in terms of the wide range of styles it represents so you have three movies in the main trilogy there are prequels that i think are not really uh necessary there is the first movie which is the exorcist which is a classic horror movie undeniable classic uh you have the second movie the exorcist 2 the heretic which is, falls in under the So Bad It's Good movies to watch while drunk and make fun of. Good, bad movies. And then you have The Exorcist 3, which is sort of an undiscovered gem, like a little little secret. And so in that sense, you have all three of the main groups of horror movies that there are to enjoy. Basically, good, bad, and underground. <laughs> good, good, bad, and underground, those are the three types of horror movies? The Exorcist 3 is not like a secret like bootleg movie or like undiscovered by any means but it is lesser known by far no people saw it not many people saw it not many people know it's actually very good part of that is because uh the exorcist 2 is so bad that no <laughs> one cared about the uh third go round uh but you don't know that yet because we're actually we're taking we're, we're trying something out a little bit new this episode aren't we yes we have watched uh just now we have watched the exorcist 1 and after the this exorcist. we're gonna watch the exorcist 2 yes and we'll come back and we'll, we'll report on that yeah and then we'll go and do The Exorcist 3, and then we'll come back and, and, and probably talk about that movie, too. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. But a little intro first. Okay. Uh, Jason. Yes. When, when, was, when were you introduced to The Exorcist as it came out in the 70s before you were born? <laughs> yes. It was not then. No. I didn't catch it in the first run. No. Uh, I first became enamored with William Friedkin's movie The Exorcist based upon William Peter Blatty's novel The Exorcist. When I was 14, mm-hmm. it was my freshman year of high school. Okay. I watched it on a VHS from Blockbuster. Nice. So get, get that picture in your mind. That's mm-hmm. that's what time frame we're in, sort of the end of the era. Weird that I saw it on VHS now that I think about it. It was definitely on DVD at that time and available. But it was one of the first horror movies I probably really saw and really enjoyed. Being a uh, such a fan of the horror genre as I am, I didn't come to it until relatively late. Being a fan of the horror genre or the movie? Oh, no, I mean, I didn't really get into horror until I was already, okay. like, 13 or 14 years old. 
which is pretty young, but I feel like when you really get talk to a lot of horror fans, they they are, there's always that like childhood, um, you know, fascination with it that that blooms more as you as you get older. I would say it was sort of a one-two punch of The Ring, followed by The Exorcist. <laughs> okay. And there's maybe a year in between those two, but like that's yeah. what really got me into that. Those are the first things that, that showed me. Oh, horror can be scary. The Ring. The Ring's very scary, and it could also be uh, good, like The Exorcist. And The Exorcist is is very good. Um, and that's like it's it's a good film. It's a good like, film. It's a good. It's a capital. It's G. not just a good horror film. It's a it's a good film. Capital G, capital F, good film. Could have been about twenty minutes shorter, but that's funny. The version we watched is actually it's the first one I saw and the only one I've ever seen all the way through. Uh-huh. It is the extended edition, sort of. It was uh, released in in two thousand with the unwieldy name uh, The Exorcist, the version you've never seen. <laughs> Because I guess that was before the word director's cut existed. It really was in popular use. Anyway. It's about 10 minutes longer than the original cut. It's not like, there's not a ton of new stuff, but there's enough small changes that I think sort of improve the film overall. But this movie really got inside my head when I was 14. I was, uh, I was and remain by no means a Catholic or a believer in demonic possession, shall we say. And I was not then. But this movie, it also, I haven't watched it in a long time until today when we just rewatched it. And it really, the reason why it was so effective is because the same reason it's still effective now, although it doesn't make me, you know, I'm not going to start carrying around a copy of Catholic Rites like I did in high school after I saw this movie. I mean, you you're said... Making a, you're making a very judgy face right now. You said we were watching the movie that the, like, idea behind it was to scare people into going back to church? Yeah, William William <laughs> Peter Blatty wrote this, the novel, uh pretty transparently to scare people in back into church because it was the 70s and people were getting a little bit too loose, a too loose. with religion drinking their long island iced teas <laughs> eating their watergate salad eating their water oh God, eating their, their gross salad wearing their, their bad gr- their bad haircuts their gross desserts their ugly suits terrible every, mustaches every bald man just let his hair grow out all the way <sighs> no but the exorcist is effective now and it was effective then because of how well it, it is made. It has a very effective build. It, 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 and, I, and, I, and I am no fan of the concept of exorcisms now, especially because in the real world, what usually happens is um, someone is ill mm-hmm. or just is um, accused of being possessed and then is basically tortured for several days. Yeah. And I, I know that now, but even still, like the movie does such a good job of... of, of Presenting this demonic possession in a real grounded world. It's very grounded. The movie's very grounded. You get about 20 minutes of early early scenes where nothing supernatural has happened yet. And you're just establishing this, this, this these characters in, in their lives. Mm-hmm. And it's all very real. And as I said to you during the movie, it builds up through um, real life events. Like real, like things that conceivably could happen to you in the real world. Like a child with a strange illness. You know, Father Karras, the priest, is dealing with his mom being ill and being put into a, a psych ward, which is unsettling. And they're all things that are start to put you on edge and, and, and get you into that spooky zone, as I like to call it. The spooky zone. But you, the jump to supernatural possession and demons and all that good, fun stuff doesn't happen, like, in one swift motion. You are led into it very carefully. Yeah, and I, I, I do agree with you that, like, and, and maybe it's because I'm seeing this 
at a later point in my life and also because I do not have a Catholic background in any means. Like, the devil is not something we talk about in my religion. <laughs> um, and I was on board until we got to the scene with all of the psychiatrists sitting around a table being like, oh, hey, maybe you should try exorcism. And I'm like, there is no world where 18 doctors would sit around a table and tell a mother to tr- to have her child exercised. You took a great issue with that scene when we were watching it. It was very bad. You sat up and you were basically shouting at the TV. Yes! Not shouting, but you had some you had some strongly worded thoughts on the matter. It, it, like, all the groundedness that had been built up about everything and the, the realistic parts of it was just kind of shattered for me at that yeah. point because I was like, this would never happen. Like, I was kind of expecting her... Because, you know, Exorcist is in the zeitgeist. Like, I I know shit that happens in the Exorcist because it's yeah. such an iconic movie. Yeah. I was expecting her to, like, get so fed up with the doctors not being able to tell her anything that she was going to, like, turn to... to Like, I almost think that, that scene itself was very unnecessary because we've established that Father Karras is, is a psychiatrist and also a priest. And I think there was enough precedent for her to turn to him like if, her, if she just found the cross like yeah for her to turn to him mm-hmm. and 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 it's a build from there and that scene just like it felt like it took me out of the the very grounded world that we had built yeah so the plot of the exorcist for those yeah. who don't know which is probably no one <laughs> is basically a, a young girl uh lives with her, her mother her single mother who was raising her who was an actress and the and the young girl begins to behave erratically mm-hmm. and the mother uh, Chris McNeil. That's correct. Thank you. Uh, takes her to a number of doctors, and um, you know she is examined thoroughly yeah. as her behavior continues to to worry her, her mother. And uh, eventually, after several really un- uncomfortable looking tests and procedures, they have essentially exhausted their options. And they've also seen her, uh, Reagan, the young girl, acting very very strangely. Uh, in, in in ways that to to the audience immediately defy any sort of medical explanation, but again because uh, William Peter Blatty wrote this book to scare the Jesus back into people, uh, the medical el- elite, the medical establishment rather, is painted as sort of unknowing and a little little not uncaring but ill-equipped to deal with the threat of demonic possession. Yeah, and I and I think the stuff with the the original like her primary care doctor and the psychiatrist that comes in like that stuff I felt really helped that narrative. But that scene with like all those like eighteen doctors or whatever, it was just very unnecessary and took me out right. of the world. So we eventually get to the point where <laughs> uh, Chris McNeil is meeting with about twenty doctors. Yeah, and <laughs> her her primary care doctor and a few other ones agree that basically, oh, you know exorcisms aren't real but people believe in them so they sometimes work have you thought about doing that it's like they suggest a placebo exorcism yeah and it is um it is you need you need to make the leap to uh, exorcism somehow to get that plot element worked in but you're right though because we already have the parallel story of father Karras's life and what's mm-hmm. going on with him you know alongside reagan and and and, and Chris's story. And he's already been introduced into, like, through Father Dyer, the other... Yeah. My favorite, my favorite priest. (laughs) Father Dyer, the other priest who was friends with with Chris and Reagan. 
<laughs> so you would have preferred they bring Karis in that way. Yeah. That I feel like they could have done that. The fact that it just, I don't know. Yeah, I, I never thought about that before. That scene mm-hmm. is kind of a, a, you have to suspend your disbelief a little bit. Because I feel like Father Dyer is already established as their friend. And yeah. like maybe someone that Chris could turn to, would yeah. turn to. And she'd, she'd be like, this is scary. I'm, you know, um, when he would maybe suggest you talk to, talk to our psychiatric consultant. Yeah. You know, like when they said we have to find a shrink. Like I thought that's when I thought that's when Father Dyer was gonna come in. Oh, here we go. Or Father Dyer like, was gonna we come go. in. Here we go. Here it comes. But no. But then we went to you know some facility somewhere. Um, I had not thought about this before. I respect your point. Yeah. I do think part of the reason why that scene stands out as so unbelievable to you mm-hmm. is c- because the rest of the movie is so yes, well no, done. exactly. And that's the one point that rings false. And also, you're right. It, do- it does feel weird. It rings false. Also, my family are doctors, so... Okay, yeah, so you're especially sensitive yeah. to... Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, this This wouldn't happen. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, no, I, I no, I agree with you that it, it does... The, the, the world is so grounded. It does such a good job of, of establishing that this isn't that... Stri- like, this isn't an, an, a paranormal world. Yeah. Um, it's a very normal, very... Um, and... Because uh, William Peter Blatty wants us secular yeah. heathens yeah. to be drawn into the world and believe it before he hits us with the the demons and the devil. Yeah. And, the, and then yeah. the other thing I was a little bit confused about was the uh, like the desecration of the statue in the church. Mm-hmm. Like that seemed kind of a one-off, or was that just to get the police officer in there? Because I feel like Burke's death would have been enough to get the police officer in there, right? The desecration of the Virgin Mary statue is, I think, one of the things in the movie that's sort of not really explained. Yeah. There's a, you know, it's obvious, like, Reagan is possessed by a demon and she's doing stuff and and probably kills Burke. Well, definitely kills Burke. Yeah. Uh, Chris even admits as much herself. But there's a lot of other elements in the movie that aren't, aren't fully explained. Like, there's the whole thing of, the as the demon is sort of working its way into their house, the, she, they start hearing noises in the attic. But the window's always open. I there's, forgot th- about the attic yeah, noises. And I think that the... I guess we're to believe that the statue was somehow desecrated by Reagan. But I also feel like it's not really meant to, for us to think about that in terms of the physical reality of her going into it, like sneaking out into the church and, and desecrating it. It just sort of adds to the the mood of impending doom and this this this, this unnatural evil force coming in to pervert natural institutions and the image of, of God and humanity and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I, did, I, I really, I did, I, like I said earlier, like, I think it's a very good movie. Like, because I think there's between a good movie and a good horror movie. Like, this is a good movie, um, regardless of genre. Right. Um, it's very well done. It's very well established. I think there are some scenes that could have been cut, obviously, but um, it's not just good because it because of how well it executes the tropes of a horror movie. Right. It's good because it functions as yeah. A, a, I don't want to say regular movie because that implies that horror movies are somehow bad or other, but I, I take your point. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's very well acted and it's um very well shot. Like yeah. the the um. There's there's a couple of shots where I was like, eh, but <laughs> um, like in the beginning, the the opening the opening uh, scenes with uh, Father Marin are a little bit lengthy, 
I don't really feel like that story was wrapped up. I thought, because I didn't really understand, like, because he, in the beginning, he, he finds the thing in the dirt or whatever, and he becomes very shaken and very... He finds the symbol of Pazuzu, the demon who it possesses Reagan. How was I supposed to know that? Well, the little the little statue head yeah. that then he then sees in the distance and then appears in her bedroom during the climax. Okay, that's a, hmm. okay. And then, but she also makes that little other clay head that you see that he that the detective finds near the the Burke's murder site. Okay, I guess I just didn't like put together that that was the demon that was possessing her. That is fair. <laughs> they never say that. That's what's happening out loud in the book. It's a little more clear. Yeah. When you watch the second movie, you It'll be will, very clear. You will rue the day you ever heard the word Pazuzu because they um, say it about a thousand times uh, in the second movie. Um, yeah, that that whole uh, montage was a little lengthy for me. That I think is but, part of why I because scenes in this movie are longer. Yeah. They are not. They move at a at a, at a, uh, a steady pace, but things also don't usually drag out for too long. Like when thing when stuff starts going bad, it, mm-hmm. it's happening. Like yeah, there's not a, I think a lot of extraneous stuff. There's a, there's a lot of like the the scenes pick up the pace as the movie yeah hurdles towards the climax as as we careen into 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 um, Spooksville. Yes, and I I think that's really good because you you did talk about like the sort of establishing of 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 place and of, um, uh, you know, narrative and, and characters. And I think it does a really good job of that. Um, it's grounded. It's grounded. Yeah. You can't make a good horror movie until yeah, this you, this is you not going to be a very things. interesting section of this podcast. Cause it's a good movie. And I don't really have, other than that one scene, I don't have a lot to complain about. But how good, I didn't is, how really, good is it though? I didn't so good. really think it was scary. Hmm. I mean, maybe if I was alone in my apartment and it was dark out and I was watching by myself, I'd probably think it's scary, but I didn't find it all that scary. What was your main emotional takeaway at the end of the movie? I was very sad. <laughs> it was really sad, guys. Like, you've, like, it's very sad for Reagan, who is just, like, a 10-year-old girl who is, I guess she doesn't remember anything, but, like... It still happened to her. It still happened, and, it was still and I think she's probably gonna have some like PTSD issues probably later in life. Like maybe she'll get like weird flashback shit. Um, oh, I just want you to preserve your image of what her future is like now, because oh. all, all everything you have in mind is so much more interesting, I'm sure, and more artful than what's about to and happen in the second movie. I was very sad about Father Karras because I liked him a lot. Like I thought his his story was one of the more interesting parts of the story to me and yeah, he's he's and, very likable and he, he he his his act of basically sacrificing himself at the end is very heroic yeah and, and also very sad because he just he's dead and like i feel like a lot of times the church gets played as an extreme either way like either the church is bad and is you know i don't know how to do it or it's it's good and everything we should do is that way and i, I liked his, him being the symbol of the church and being this very grounded, very, like, human person who believes in science and believes in, in and, and needs vindication that there is a demonic possession happening. Yeah. Um, he's reasonable. Yeah. He's conflicted. He's having a bit of a crisis of faith. Yeah. And, but in the end, he and the other priest, Father Marin, are symbols of good versus yeah. uh, the ultimate evil. Yeah. And it works, though, because, like you but said... But it doesn't feel, like, good because... At least with Father Karras, it doesn't feel like they're... To me, it doesn't feel like... 
he's good because he believes in Jesus. Right, yeah. <laughs> he just seems like a good person. Yeah, he's trying he's trying to do the right thing and he yeah. does for about half an hour try to find another explanation for this events these events that aren't possession. Yeah. Cuz he's trying to do the correct thing and the right thing. Yeah. And uh, that's why it's uh, so sad that he dies. I was like, I mostly, I teared up a little at the end. I was very sad. You were also uh, pretty invested in the, in the uh, relationship between Father Karras and his friend Father Dyer. Yes. Which so uh, I think you read some, so uh, some, some, what was that? Some homosexual undertones. Some homosexual undertones? Yes. So gay. It was would have been wonderful. And then the <laughs> other, you... the other, the other, uh... Carol plot happening in the background <laughs> of the movie. Oh, between uh, Chris and her and her nanny. nanny. <laughs> but yeah, good, good movie, good movie. So you weren't scared? Not, Not even, really. Not even by the spider walk. No. Okay. What part was it? I was scared when the <laughs> the title of the movie came up at the end because <laughs> <laughs> ah. it was all very like quiet and quiet peaceful. and soft, and then the exorcist. <laughs> <laughs> Could it be that you were not scared because you um, had like a like a like a like a confident, masculine, strong presence in the room with you, um, like a, like like a very like sort of you know dependable, uh, reliable, attractive, smart, uh, funny, suave, good with people. <laughs> Okay, now, now you're just you're just being very very wishful thinking here. Um, trim, clean, well dressed. Uh, I'm sorry. What were we talking about? I mean, Sarah was here. She's very comforting. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I see how it is. The thing is, like, I used to get scared so easily, so I just stopped watching horror movies, and now I feel like I don't get scared by horror movies as much. I think if you'd been watching this alone in your basement oh, and it yeah. was dark and it was dark. Oh yeah. The way I did when I was fourteen, you may have been a little bit more scared. Yeah. Although overall the movie's effect is not just to be scary. Although you gotta remember, like in the seventies when this came out, like it was a huge deal. It was a big cultural thing that people were going to see the movie and passing out or just like leaving because they couldn't deal with it. I don't know. I guess if I'd seen this in theaters, like I might be scared. I mean, a bit of that was a gimmick of like, our oh, movie's so scary we've got Paramedics waiting outside because people might faint, but people did faint, yeah. like for real. Cause it, well, and it's also I, a little bit of like it's so in in the cultural like lexicon or canon. You know, it's it's part of the 20th century cultural canon, mm -hmm. and so everyone kind of knows yeah. the parts that are scary. You've seen her head turn all the way around yeah. a million times in clip shows and in gifts. Yeah. Yeah, and... That's true. The same way Alien doesn't work as well now as it used to, because everyone's seen the chest bursting. Like, yeah. you know that's going to happen. Yeah. Although I think this That place... was scarier than this. But this is a better movie, though. This is a think? much better movie. I think Exorcist plays better s still than Alien does at this yeah. point. Alien could have been, like, an hour shorter. Oh, man. <laughs> um, but that's a, that's a topic for another day. Yeah. Okay, do you have anything else you want to say about The Exorcist? Do you want to ask me anything about it? No. Really? I guess because we still have two more to watch. I am, I am very interested because I've been talking a lot about um, with like Fantastic Beasts coming out and the Gilmore Girls revival happening, like things having undeath. Like you know, you you are you're okay with where these characters ended, 
and you have visions in your mind for them and then more information comes out. <laughs> so I feel like we're going to work and sometimes it's not what you wanted to happen. Oh um, boy. Well, on that note, I feel like that's a, a feeling that we're going to have when we watch The Exorcist 2. Uh, yeah, on that note, um, shall we? <laughs> yeah, we should. We should do that. Okay. Um, we'll check back in with you guys in about uh, 112 beautiful minutes now. <laughs> At least it's 112 minutes. That's shorter. shorter. Still too long. Still, still too long. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Okay, so we're back, and now we are sitting across from each other again. We have like, two glowing lights flashing on our faces. We've got a little uh, tiny belt across our foreheads with a bunch of diodes on it, and we're sitting in a room made of glass, surrounded by mental patients. And now just, Kelsey, okay, you ready? I'm ready. Lower your tone. Can you, can you lower your tone? Can I bring yes. your tone down? Can I, now bring it down. I believe the word you're looking for is deeper. Deeper. <laughs> Can I lower your tone? Don't don't break eye contact. Lower your tone. Deeper. Okay. Are you? How how deep do you feel right now? Very very deep. Okay. What do you see? <laughs> I see that that movie was so bad. <laughs> not great not it's great. not great it's not great so the exorcist 2 sorry for people who haven't seen the exorcist 2 and did not get to appreciate that whole bit <laughs> so the exorcist 2 the heretic picks up four years after the original ends and uh i'm not gonna go through the whole thing that's stupid i mean yeah we, we rejoin reagan Right. Reagan is now 16. Mm -hmm. uh, she appears to be part of a musical theater group at her local high school. And she is also um, going into therapy apparently daily at this weird 70s futuristic uh, psychiatric hospital. For children. For children. Where she is uh, going on, undergoing some sort of weird, bizarre, experimental, mind-meld, hypnosis-type therapy to cure her of... It's not really clear from the get-go because at the what end they're of, trying to cure her at of? the end of the first the first movie she's clearly like forgotten all of if not most of if not all of her experiences being possessed yeah. but she clearly still needs some sort of therapy she has divorced parents and her mom works all the time and she is under the guardianship of her psychiatrist, mm. that was mm. that was I was confused whether Sharon, um, her mother's um, the nanny slash her mother's lesbian lover, in my personal fiction of this film, that um, um, that reading really carries over well to the second movie because <laughs> really does. the only actors who return from the first movie are Reagan herself, mm -hmm. uh, Max von Sydow playing Father Marin in flashbacks, and the nanny. <laughs> Those are the three that they got. And so the nanny's continued presence really adds more weight to her role in the first movie. Yeah. So our alternative reading of her as the <laughs> younger lover in a Carol-like romantic Mara. story. The, the, the Rooney Mara <laughs> character, basically. Really, really uh, yeah, adds a lot to this movie, too. Yeah. 
Um, I liked it. Um, but the actual plot of the movie concerns this other priest who is unlike the priest in the first two mo- first movie. Unlike the first two priests in the first movie, he is a dick. <laughs> I mean, he's just not interesting in any sort of. Nobody way at likes all. him. He has no he, friends. He has no his boss hates character. him. His boss hates him. He doesn't want to be doing his job. He's a bad exorcist. It's a terrible exorcist. The he, movie, he's let two people catch on fire. The movie opens with him totally botching this exorcism in South South America. And then his uh, his deacon or whatever. His cardinal. His cardinal sends him on a mission to I uncover think. the mystery of the death of Father Marion, which right off the bat, a great way to ruin your sequel is by having it be all about the events of the first movie. That your audience already knows. Yeah, because we know what happened in the first movie, but... So we don't need to watch some random character who we don't like explore and try to solve the mystery. So there's basically two stories happening, right? Because... They intersect pretty early on. I just, I don't... What in your mind are the two stories? The whole Africa story and then the Reagan story. Which, like, neither of them are really good as narratives. The Africa story, shall we say, is uh, a half retcon, half follow-up regarding Father Marin's uh, uh, backstory from the first movie. Yeah. Where he performed an exorcism on the same demon years before the events of the first movie. Which had some power to it when we only heard about it in terms of his history and his experience battling demons. But in this movie, they decided to totally drain that of its power by showing it in all of its silly, goofy 1970s Warner Brothers backlot detail. The number of times. We should have had a drinking game where we had a drink every time they said Pazuzu. Pazuzu! drunker and the movie would have been a lot more enjoyable pazuzu there's a lot of pazuzu and like it's just so upsetting because everything (laughs) linda blair did in the first movie that made her so good at it like she's just become this sort of like cookie cutter 70s child actress and they all have the same tone and speak the same way and like the little girl who played the autistic girl was a much better actress than linda blair in this and she had one scene (laughs) we talked about in the movie how much more interesting that whole story arc was yeah (laughs) because the way the mother reacts when the uh, autistic girl begins to speak for the first time in years is is almost like shock and dismay yeah it it made me wonder if the autistic girl like witnessed her mother murdering her father (laughs) Yeah, it was, and and there's so many like where the Exorcist is is visually interesting and it's it's a it's a well made movie. Like even if this had had a good story, which it doesn't, which it doesn't, like it is a very poorly made movie. Like it's it's the cuts are weird, the 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 effects are terrible. <laughs> the you can clearly tell when there's sorry. <coughs> you okay? Yeah. Is that Pazuzu? It's Pazuzu. Um, Oh, spirit of the wind. (laughs) Spirit of the wind. Oh, the wings are brushing me. You can clearly tell when it's a set and when it's not. (laughs) And like the whole, at the beginning of The Exorcist, the whole like very long prologue I thought was too long, but it it very much does establish that sense of of narrative and and, uh, building that we talked about, Mm -hmm. you know, in the first portion of this podcast. (laughs) Um... 
And this was like, the, there was prologue, and then it was just like, cut to Reagan tap dancing. <laughs> like, like literally, like, no, like, establishing shot of New York City, which is where this one mostly takes place. That's true. Um, there are really, there are no establishing shots in this movie. Yeah. It took us, like, a, we were, like, halfway into the movie before we figured out they were in New York. <laughs> um, and that was only because it was a really bad <laughs> projection <laughs> backdrop of the Brooklyn Bridge, I think. The Brooklyn Bridge? Manhattan Bridge. Yeah, I I guess thinking about it now that they George were Washington Bridge a bridge there was a bridge they were right on the water at that psychiatric hospital yeah now that I think on it dang but yeah it's ugly in a way that only a seventies movie can be ugly yeah where everything is like so gritty and like gross and it feels like hot and sweaty somehow and there were bugs and there are lots of bugs the bugs don't help so the Pazuzu so takes terrible. the form of locusts in this movie that's sort of Pazuzu's avatar on Earth Pazuzu is back. And he's very ready to tear things up all over again. And it's just, the whole story was so disjointed, and so it didn't make any sense. And it was, like, a vehicle for Reagan to be, like, this chosen one. That's that's probably the weirdest part of it. Yeah. The Exorcist 2 is almost more of a sci-fi, like you said, young adult literature-style story mm-hmm. than it is in a horror, horror movie. Because we find out that Father Barron's work wasn't just being a priest and doing good things. He was also seeking out people across the world who were gaining new godly powers of good. But at the same time, the evil demon Pazuzu was sent by Satan to destroy these good people. And Reagan is the most recent chosen one. And only, uh, uh, I don't even know the new priest's name in this movie. Father Lamont? Lamont. And now Lamont must carry on Marin's legacy of protecting Reagan and teaching her how to use her powers. To be fair, I only know his name because we have the subtitles on. Right. Reagan, <laughs> Reagan also, through, this, through doing this hypnosis-style therapy, has apparently unlocked her own latent psychic powers. She can get inside people's brains? Which, it, which comes into play when she, uh, you know, sort of half-cures that autistic girl. And then when she has a mind meld with Father Lamont where he's being beaten with rocks halfway across the world. <laughs> In the funniest scene of the whole so movie. So good. But she... Which, which I don't want to, like, beaten with rocks is not funny, but it was funny. Well, mostly, partially because it happened to this guy. Yeah. And no one likes this guy. He's so unlikable. Oh, God. But her psychic powers don't come to play at any point in the story, though. It's just so weird that they, they it, felt the need to make the last movie's climb, uh, conflict into more than just a demon possessing a girl. It's a demon attacking a young girl with special psychic abilities. Well, and that's like the, the beautiful thing about The Exorcist is that it's a very simple narrative. And so you really have time to understand the characters. And of like like both of the priests and Father Karras especially and and Father Marin to an extent. Sorry, Father Karras. Who? <laughs> who? Who's Father Karras? I, I don't remember Father Karras being mentioned at any point in this movie, so I don't think that was a real guy. Definitely wasn't. And Father Marin to an extent in the first movie because we get that whole extended prologue with him, and and you feel like you understand him to an extent. Um, and then Chris. The, the mom, especially, um, even like some of the minor characters, but Reagan is the most uninteresting character in the first movie, I think, personally. But this movie tries to make her the protagonist, and no, <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 um, 
and her mom's not in this, and her mom is is arguably the I think the main character of yeah her her mom and and uh, Father Karras are yeah. the main characters of of the first film. Um, so I don't know. It just didn't work. Nothing worked. You raise a good point. I didn't think about that. The first movie really takes its time to introduce these people and and show you who they are and what they're like. <laughs> this movie, even though it's almost as long as the first one, takes no time to do that to the point where you're not really sure where Reagan is or what this hospital is or does she live here? Who is this woman? Where's her mom? Sorry, what? What is the what? Who is this guy? What is this weird hospital with the hexagonal rooms made of glass? And so you never grow to like Father Lamont. And whereas Father Karras and Father Marin, to the little extent you see him in the first movie, are shown to be not only like irrational and thorough and grounded, they're both also caring and take the time to be good to people as much as they can. Whereas Father Lamont takes a trip with Sharon to the old house to investigate Father Marin's death. And she basically says to him, you know, I'm really torn up about this. I feel awful all the time. And and I have lost my faith. Um, can you help me? And he I'm, says he says, "quote I'm not here for you." Like Sharon would have been a better protagonist right? for this for right? this film. And and Lamont just brushes her aside to go into this creepy room. She was the most compelling of of the characters, really. And at the end, she gets possessed, kinda, sort of, and then burns <laughs> herself alive. Yeah, and they leave her on someone's doorstep. <laughs> I'm so sorry for that person the next morning. I know, it's so weird. Why does that happen, (laughs) They wrap her in a coat and lay her down on the doorstep across from the the house. The iconic house. During that that scene where she's talking to Lamont, she she says, you know, I've only ever felt okay after the the possession, since I've been around Reagan. What's up with that? And Lamont is like, I don't don't care, whatever. So it's, it's sort of, I think, implied that she's maybe halfway, like, under the dominion of Pazuzu in Reagan, so that she's sort of acting like Pazuzu's servant at the end when she blocks the one. But she doesn't really do anything in the climax, though. She just gets out the ca- out of a car and burns herself alive for no reason. I don't know. You know what? I've seen this movie before, but I've never really taken the time to try to break down what's supposed to be happening in it. <laughs> it really raises more questions than it, than, than it answers. Yeah, it... It's just all, like, it's like there's three different movies happening at once, but and I'm, none of them are good. Yeah, there's not even three, like, third stories. So if you put them together, there's a whole story. There's, like, three one-quarter stories, and exactly, you're still exactly. missing a quarter of a story. So at the end, when they're all, like, fully together, you still don't know what's happening. Basically. I mean, it seems, I couldn't tell if they were setting it up for a... For the Exorcist 3, but oh, with... Oh, man. Can you imagine if they continued the story in the Exorcist 3? But with, like, Reagan being, like, the chosen one? Like, Lamont off in, like, a monastery in, I don't know, like, Eastern Europe training Reagan to use her psychic powers to fight <laughs> demons? Oh, that actually sounds pretty good. Yeah. No, I would watch that. In reference to the problems with um, medicine I had in the first one... <laughs> um... uh, now, 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 before we go into this, the problems in the second one, what were your problems with medicine and the, the way... The the medical world was was depicted in the first movie. I believe it was uh, that someone gave some not so great advice, or some advice you believed was not realistic. And that I mean, was that they was will a, they will have just listened to this. That that, that I, I just want to I just want for your sake for you to revisit 
the major, major problems you had with that movie. And now let's see, what were your problems with the, with the, the medical world? Okay, in so movie? in the first movie, there's this one scene, one scene, that's it, of of Chris, Reagan's mom, sitting around with like 15 to 25 doctors. I didn't count. And all of a sudden, <laughs> they're suggesting, have you thought about exorcism, basically? And no, no doctor is going to suggest that, ever. Right. But I'd say in comparison to this movie... That problem, uh, relatively minor, would you have to say? Relatively minor, considering the medical, quote-unquote, medical doctor here presents some sort of machine <laughs> that flashes a light and then they mind meld, basically. Deeper. Deeper. Take me deep. I mean, it was basically the, I decided the, uh, um... It was... It was Inception. It was the origin of Inception. The origin of Inception. I want to say the Inception of Inception. It was the Inception of Inception. Inception. <laughs> yeah. What up? Same. Same. <laughs> it was the Inception of Inception. I'm sorry I cut you off. I didn't it's know if okay. you were going there. Yeah. I should have had faith. That's fine. Um, but yeah, it was basically that sort of, we have to go deeper. <laughs> because she gets stuck. Like, she gets she goes too deep and gets stuck. <laughs> she does go too deep and gets stuck. And they have to send in Father Lamont to go in after her. And give her the kick. Give her the kick. Get her out. Uh, it was weird. But yeah, and I was like, this this is even close to something that would be like, like hypnosis, I guess I can see that, but that's not what that was. No. <laughs> no. Like, it would have been more, they had to have some way for her to like, it was just such a terrible plot device <laughs> for like her, people to see inside Reagan's brain without reagan telling them like because it seems like you could have just used like some like a, a a weird intense form of hypnosis would have been more believable in that like it would have just been reagan describing the scene and not like mm-hmm. consciously doing it but again i think that's all there to set up reagan's budding psychic powers but none of that matters in the end the way that um Lamont defeats the demon at the end. Tears out her heart. She's basically just like wrestling with it for a little bit. Well, and that's the other weird part is like there's two corporeal Reagans. So they at the end of the movie, they all, everyone is drawn back to the house where the original events took place. And um, after, they're all attacked by locusts again. Father Lamont definitely oh, gets a few in his mouth for that sure. Was scary. The only scary part of this was the freaking locusts. And uh, so <laughs> they have the showdown with Pazuzu at the old house. And they walk into the old bedroom, and Reagan's possessed form is sitting on the bed. But the the real Reagan is there also. But Pazuzu has created a twin Reagan, who then turns into normal Reagan, but in like a oh, it, like was, a, it was really uncomfortable. Oh, it gets really weird because she, she's wearing like a really revealing nightgown, and like coming on to the priest, and she really hits hard on Father Lamont. Yeah, who is who apparently suffering temptation of, from Pazuzu. And he doesn't even, like, grapple with that after he's no longer suffering. He's just like, I'm good now. Yeah. He goes and he makes out with the, this um, evil demon 16-year-old for a minute. Mm. And then he's about to kill Reagan. Then he's like, no, I can't kill Reagan. I have to kill bad Reagan. Pazuzu's Reagan. And then he just, like, pulls her heart out of her chest and that's it. And then the house, then the house falls beneath apart. them. And then he le- walks off with her? They leave together to go who knows where? With with good Reagan. 
Yeah. With but, psychic powers, Reagan. But we know that Reagan's mom is still alive, so... Yeah. you got to wonder what she's going to have to say about all this. Oh, maybe they thought so they, they, many problems. Maybe they thought they could get Ellen Burstyn back for Exorcist Part 3. Maybe they did. The Quickening. The Quickening. <laughs> Um, so you what, what is Exorcist Part? What is the sequel to this movie? The the real sequel or the the one we've made up? The in our one minds? we've made up in our heads. Well, I assume uh, Pazuzu comes back with a whole team of new demons. Okay. Five probably, and they combine to form one super demon. And <laughs> Reagan, uh, under Father Lamont's training, has to has to challenge them. Is there a training montage? Yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely a training montage. But it's all about her moving things with her mind, like Professor Xavier. <laughs> And um, then, it's, I imagine it's kind of like Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors. Which you you, you say a, that like I've seen that. She gathers a bunch of Dream Warriors to fight Pazuzu. So James Earl Jones comes back? Yes, he definitely comes back. Oh, yeah. he, he definitely would come back too. He definitely would come back, yeah. Okay, okay, so let's, let's, let's tie this back into our pitch in a second. <laughs> okay. So James Earl Jones is in the movie. Uh-huh. So as I mentioned a minute ago, we see the flashbacks to Father Marin's original battle with Pazuzu when he possessed a boy named... Kokomo? I think it's Kokomo, <laughs> but we start, We got distracted and started singing the Kokomo song by the, the Beach Boys, so I don't remember what his real name was anymore. <gasps> Me neither. I feel bad about that. Um, but as a grown man, he's now played by James Earl Jones, who we see at first as a sort of tribal demon locust warrior. It was bad. Uh, which is very, like, very racially uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. But then it's revealed that was actually just a hallucination. But it wasn't really revealed that. It no, was, it's true. There was like a jump cut and we're like, what just happened? Reveal is a strong word because we see Lamont enter oh. this, this weird chamber. Oh, and the spikes. <laughs> and he, his faith is tested by this um, locust warrior man. But then there's a smash cut and all of a sudden Lamont is in a uh, medical facility with James Earl Jones as a respected scientist. An entomologist. Who studies locusts. That's an entomologist, right? Explains, and explains... Entomologist study bugs? Probably. That sounds right. Yeah, that sounds good. Let's go with that. <laughs> and he, and, and uh, James Earl Jones then... His, it reveals that his whole purpose in the movie is to explain that there is the, such thing as a good locust who can use the, the brushing of their wings if to you, turn the whole locust tide against the forces of evil. It feels like that part could have been played by any nobody. Yeah. But they got James Earl Jones... In the second, in the third in movie, in the third movie, in our third movie, the uh, it would be revealed that the mild-mannered uh, psychologist—not psych—it would entomologist. It would, be, it would be revealed that the mild-mannered entomologist James Earl Jones is actually a dream warrior. A dream warrior, <laughs> and he would join Reagan in fighting Pazuzu, and he would sacrifice himself, of course. Who else would be? To give her the, the strength to battle. So it would be what? It'd be like nineteen eighty. Maybe like 80, 81. 81. Maybe eighty. I think else we could put in this. <laughs> if, if this has been a, if this has been a hit, they would have probably fast tracked that sequel. And it would have been out in like eighty nine, seventy nine. True. Seventy nine. Um, Harrison Ford's probably in there. <laughs> Sean Connery. Well, it, it would be it would be a bunch of unknown like young kids fighting at Reagan's side against Pazuzu and James Earl Jones. Yeah, and at the end, Pazuzu would form a giant robot made out of locusts. Yeah, and they take him down. <laughs> and they would activate the um, the Vatican City into a giant fighting pope shaped robot and use the power. Is this of faith. like religious transformers now? Yeah, we're sort of we're sort of building onto the franchise. Okay. 
I've always thought that's, that's what the, the prequel for Transformers. Yes, yes. <laughs> I've always thought The Exorcist really needed a, a, a fighting robot portion. I don't know if there's really anything coherent to say about this movie because it's so <sighs> such a mess. The problem is that like they could have made a good movie. They could have. The first movie was a very good movie. And it's amazing because they took four years to make this one. It wasn't like they rushed a sequel into development the next day. Like this was, there was time between these two movies. And like I said, I never really broken down how much it doesn't make sense. And there were so many like little touches that didn't make sense. Like Reagan has doves. Like she keeps doves on her roof. Like people keep pigeons. She has a bunch of mirror cubes on top of her apartment building that have doves inside of them. And okay, first of all, the the roof of her apartment building or the top, the balcony of her apartment building is not up to code. No. Like, there's in the railings, there's like spaces, like so you could just walk off. There's like four feet of railing and then a space and then four feet of railing and then a space, which allows us for her to sleepwalk and almost fall off the building. Yeah. Which again, really means nothing means nothing this whole film means nothing it's it, <laughs> we didn't even get a father dyer appearance which would have been I great know. what if what if father dyer had been the priest in this oh that would have been great it would have been a better movie we would have already been on board with him because that actor is so charismatic so and likable charismatic and likable and we already know that he has a connection to the story they couldn't get the guy who played father dyer back for this really he couldn't even roll up at the sorry he couldn't he couldn't even roll up during the climax like Step aside, I've seen this before. Do you think that... And pull out a cool cross gun and fire at the demon? The guy who played Father Karras just wanted, like, nothing to do with the sequel, and so they just cut out any mention of him entirely? Yeah, he's so not mentioned ever that it seems like... Yeah. Like, it's almost almost spitefully how little he's mentioned. He's not mentioned at all. Yeah, exactly. And I'm just thinking about this movie, if it had Father Dyer as the priest. Not this particular priest, but as, (laughs) as the protagonist priest. Yeah. Oh, it would have been so much better. I know. <laughs> it would have been, you would have, because we saw Father Dyer and Karis' friendship in the first movie. Some say maybe it was more than friendship. Possibly. Possibly. So you, he would have an actual investment in, in investigating this this disappearance, this, mur- uh, this murder. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know, I think that would have gone a long way to make this movie bearable, at least. And even, like, we couldn't even bring the the, the detective back who was investigating... Burke's murder. Oh, do you like Kinderman? Did you want to see him come back? Is he in the next one? Do you maybe do you maybe want to want to want to pop in Exorcist three right now? I kind of do. All right. Is it really scary though? When I'm able to sleep, it's late. It's pretty scary. We'll, we'll see you all on the other hours? side in roughly two hours. <laughs> roughly two hours. Yeah, we'll, 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 we'll eat something probably. We'll see you. See ya. We'll see you when we see you. Cool. Hit it. ourselves because it's a three part that we're gonna no it's all one part it's all one part oh you are issuing a clear invitation to the dance that's a pretty good pretty good voice thank you thank you yeah. I've, I've seen this movie uh many times as i gathered uh the movie we we're speaking about is of course we just watched the exorcist three yes we did colon legion colon legion sort of ish 
Now, just a brief run-through for the many of you who may have not seen this movie. It is a 1990 sequel to The Exorcist, based on the novel Legion, written by the Exorcist author William Peter Blatty, who also directed this movie. It picks up, like I said, by 15 years after the original. It completely ignores the events of Exorcist 2, so forget about all of that. I know I have. And it is one of my favorite movies. It falls into the Kelseyism sort of making a bad face right now. Sort of a, <laughs> a negative, unhappy face. face. I, I don't totally disagree with you about this third movie, but I don't agree with you. But then again... <laughs> I don't disagree, but I don't yes agree. But then I'm also not a connoisseur of the horror genre. Well, the way I am. The way you are. You spend like 48 straight hours watching horror movies in October, so... Yeah. I feel like that's more horror movies that I've seen in my whole life. <laughs> really? And this is like the fourth year you've done it. I only saw like seven total. Have you not seen seven horror movies in your life? I've maybe seen We've seven watched more than movies. that together. Have we? Yeah, there's these. We did do that one that one day where we watched like three. There's uh, two of the Scream movies. Those count? Those are horror movies, yeah. Huh. Why, why wouldn't they count? I don't know. They're funny. I'm times. curious because I want to sort of interrogate your understanding of the horror genre. Genre. <laughs> if, if I may uh, just... Super French If I can it. just punch my pretentiousness up to the, up to the maximum, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. crank this up to 11. Because horror movies can be funny. Horror, horror movies really don't even have to be scary. Really? Well, I mean, ideally they should be. But the problem is that what you find scary and what I find scary can be totally different. It's subjective. Fear is a very subjective thing. So if that's true, yes. And so if you want to, you know, organize the the genre in any sort of like legitimate category, you can't just go on what someone finds scary because no to be no two people will agree on that. Yeah. Okay. Um. I get that. I understand why you like this movie. <laughs> And I don't think it was a bad movie, and especially in, like, having just watched The Exorcist 2, which is a bad movie. Yes, yes. It's a bad movie. This movie suffers from, I think, too many creative inputs. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I think Legion, without The Exorcist title in it, could have been a pretty good movie. I think this movie is not that movie. And this movie kind of suffers from a lot of, like, plot jumps that, like, <laughs> I feel like you have to have seen the movie a lot <laughs> to, to get. Um, let's be clear. I, this DVD, for some reason, did not have subtitles. Right. And. Which is a problem for Kelsey. As established, I have trouble hearing things. So there was a lot of, wait, what? <laughs> and then me be like, no, I heard that, but did I miss a plot point? Because this doesn't make any sense. And I thought I had misheard a lot of things, but really just nothing was explained. It is kind of confusing, especially because early on there's a lot of mumbly dialogue. But, not a, lot, but a lot of it is sort of humorous and nonsensical and it has no bearing on the plot. But it, it sounds like it should have a bearing on the plot because everything is spoken in a very sort of... Especially George C. Scott has a very gravelly, authoritative tone, even when he's making a joke. Mm-hmm. Which is part of why I like this this movie so much, is the, the streak of humor that runs through it. I think this movie was very well acted. Yeah. This movie was very well acted. You got you got George C. Scott. Um and and up until a point it was very well it was a 
it, it's not the same quality of film that The Exorcist is, because as we discussed during the movie, Blatty is not uh, an experienced director. Right. He'd only directed one other movie before this. And his in his sort of the the scenes ha- are very static and yes. and not engaging. Not dynamic is, not, is not I think dynamic, the word I used. And, this composition um, is very static. And um, there were so many scenes where I'm like, I just want like a walk and talk in this. <laughs> like we're just literally sitting here, like uh, there there's a lot of that, which is frustrating, but like understandable. But um, the the beginning of this movie is great, and it sets up it sets up very similarly to the arc of the Exorcist. I think it's that slow. Like steady, let's build these characters and let's let's establish this life and then make it creepy. But in the way that the Exorcist keeps the 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 creepy and the the demon part so simple, this movie complicates it way more than it needs to. Um, but talking about things I like, I really enjoy that this is a sequel, not about. Reagan. Um, Can we break down the plot real simple in, in yeah, strokes? Yeah, yeah. So the plot, the main character is uh, Lieutenant Kinderman, who was the detective in the first movie. Uh, he is a, um, it's 15 years on, as I've said three times now, for some reason. <laughs> I don't know why I feel the need to press that so, so hard. But it is a mystery, basically. Uh, people start dying, and the killer seems to have the MO of a... Uh, deceased serial killer who is the Gemini killer uh, very clearly based on the Zodiac killer and Kinderman sort of gets drawn into this case which seems to have some sort of uh, relation to the exorcism of Reagan McNeil uh, from the first movie and eventually finds out that the demon from the first movie who is also perhaps um, taking control of the soul of the Gemini killer has entered the body of Father Karras. See, here's where you lose me, right? It is a bit okay. Explain <laughs> your explain your misgivings. Um, because I'm I'm on board with most of them. Um, because I mean, I think maybe when you you keep saying it's 15 years, it's 15 years to the day of the, the end it. of of um the Exorcist. It opens on the anniversary, and we find out that Kinderman and your favorite character from the first movie, Father Dyer, yes. are still BFFs. They're still BFFs. And they go they, to they the make friends the at the time. end of the Exorcist, and they go to the movies all the time now. Um, they're great. Um, and so it opens 15 years to the day, and you know there's this whole mystery unfolding as you're explaining, and you find out that the, this the spirit of this dead serial killer has inhabited the body of Father Karras, mm-hmm. which was almost dead, but not dead. But then the demon put the spirit of the serial killer who also died the same night, maybe? I think it's supposed to be that they died at the same moment. Um, As in, when Karras was dying, the Gemini killer was being uh, killed on the electric chair. Yeah. And as he was slipping out, the master was slipping me in, Yes, as the killer says. And I think that as much as I love Jason Miller as Father Karras in the first one, this movie would work a lot better if it was just random actor, as Mm. if it wasn't, like, trying to draw this this character back into the story. Because this character is dead, and I think it would have worked better if the character was dead. And... 
And even the like the master part, how the demon is the master and the Gemini killer is the spirit that he slips in there. Like, I think it would have almost worked better. Like, because who's to say the demon wouldn't make those things happen? Like, there was just too many levels mm-hmm. to it. And the, the simplicity, the, the simplicity of the first exorcist is what's so wonderful about it. And so, and so affecting and so um, effective as a film. And you just lost a lot of that in this trying to like weave the characters back together and it would have been a really good straight horror movie if we hadn't tried to bring Father Karras back into it. Um, so, or like, and and the, the the act the actor choices they make in that, or like if you want to have that, they in the scenes they have Jason Miller who plays Father Karras and um, Brad Dourif. Brad Dourif um, of as, Child's Play fame um, as the same person so like jason miller will say something and that's who you're supposed to believe kinderman is seeing and then but when the dialogue is being spoken the audience is seeing brad duraf who is like the spirit of the gemini killer and the whole thing is very confusing as to who who is existing in that world and it just it would have been i think if you're gonna go that whole like into the body of father cares it would have been a lot more effective to have jason miller do that dialogue mm-hmm. Um, and maybe he didn't have the acting chops. I don't know, but... I mean, I can shed a little bit of light onto that. Sure. So the book Legion that Blatty wrote before he made this movie mm-hmm. is uh, also one of my favorite books. Mm-hmm. Although I haven't read it in a while. You can tell just from the title that the, the links between the two stories of the Legion and the Exorcist are not quite as strong as they are in the movie. And you can tell in the movie they're a little bit forced because they were kind of forced... The um, now it's been a while since I read the book, like I said, but to my to my to my recollection, in the book, the demon is not so much of a presence, and the entire idea of the demon is getting revenge for the exorcism is 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 not really there. It's more ambiguous as to what's really going on because the person that they find in the uh, in the ward in the cell claiming to be Father Karras, um doesn't have a can't magically change faces, um, just claims to be the killer in Karis's body, and they don't really know if it's really Karis's body or not. And in the movie... That's a scarier movie. Yeah, yeah. Well, in the original movie, version of the movie that they shot, Brad Dourif played that character straight through. So that ambiguity was still there, and there was, there was less... Because um, if, if Jason Miller doesn't appear at all, then you, you don't get that question of, wait, who am I seeing right now? What is this? Is this really happening? Or am I supposed to know that this is just this this spirit or this character? Or it's, it's, It is confusing to have both the actors play the role. If it was one or the other, it's less confusing. If it's just Brad Dourif, it's more ambiguous and scarier. Mm-hmm. And if it's just, just Jason Miller as Karis, it's less ambiguous. But but you make the connection between the, right. the film stronger. Yes. Um, Which is what they wanted to do, but they sort of went halfway. Because they didn't want to cut out Brad Dourif entirely, I think, because his performance is so It's great. great. It's great. It's one of the all-time best, crazy, it's, nonsensical, raving performances I've ever seen in a movie. It's really good. And and like I said, this movie's very well acted. I think I think a lot of the people are in this in this movie are really, really good. Um, hmm. But yeah, it's just like there, there's this non-commitment to one story that... It just overcomplicates things. And like like I said, the first two thirds of this movie 
are really good. I think I see where you're coming from, like, but then we get to the end when everything's like being tied together, and it just doesn't really make any sense why they're doing it. It doesn't feel all that resolved at the end. No. Um. And again, part of that is the the um, the novel has a much more uh, philosophical streak running through it. Like you get some of Kinderman's musings in the movie. But in the book, there's entire, like, long monologues of, of him just, ex- like, exploring his own ideas about, like, morality and, and, and God and life after death. Well, so the, the idea, there's a little bit more of, like, the stakes are more about philosophy and human morality and what all that means. So, and that's the thing is I think that part of it was so much more present in the original film. Like, the, the exploration of religion was so much more a factor in, in the original film than um, than it was here. Because this is like... Because the serial killer thing seems like a cop-out if you want to talk about religion. Um, but then, like, that is a much more interesting story, the serial killer thing. Um, and then everything that I loved about this movie at the beginning... Sorry. Um... <laughs> Everything I loved about this movie at the beginning, because I, I even went to you, as like, there's this moment where Kinderman is describing how they found the body of the first victim, that they describe it, and it's such a creepy image, and I'm like, you know, now in movies, they would just show it, and it wouldn't be as scary, but the fact that they have him describing it makes it ten times as scary, and then at the end... They like create it, well, and I'm like, they ruined it. They ruined a, it. It's sort of a hell vision. It's I don't think it's quite the same as if you saw the body in real life as it was meant to be seen by the characters. I know, but it just like it's it, a weird demon hallucination. But it ruined it. Ruined the. It's a little goofy. Yeah, it, like the the end of this film was so goofy it's, it's that it, goofy. it ruined the gravitas of the early parts. Of and the, the tone film. of the movie from the get get, get go is so unusual. Cause it's kind of funny and also scary and kind of sad like the mm-hmm. first movie is in a lot of ways yeah. that when the end when they go over the top with that in particular it's, it really ruins it but like, also okay so Father Morning is a character we need to talk about because yeah. halfway through they start uh, inter- interspersing scenes of this uh, random priest is the best way to describe him called Father Morning who we found out in a bit of tossed off dialogue oh he also did an exorcism once and it turned his hair white and he's just hanging around in the background of the story, doing nothing. Five years ago in the Philippines. Yeah, great. <laughs> and then he shows up uh, during the climax for no reason. Like, no one calls no, on him. The re- the, yeah, no, no. No one has spoken to him. No narrative reason. The reason he shows no, up but is... He, he shows up and appears, like, in the hospital and, like, comes in the cell and begins performing an exorcism on the Karis Gemini Killer demon body. <laughs> Which is there because when William Peter Blade delivered his first version of the movie... Uh, the executive said, "This is you, there's no exorcism in this. There's, Which, there's like, go- if you're going to call a movie The Exorcist, I feel that there should be an exorcism, but I don't think they need to I, call this movie The Exorcist. I think I think Buddy wanted to call it Legion. Yeah. I imagine. But obviously they wanted it to be Exorcist 3 because that, that's what gets those butts in the seats, y'all. Yeah. I think it's just, it's it's less, it's less bad than I feel it is. It just, it feels more disappointing because the, the first two thirds of it are so good. Yeah. And and the end just really disappointed me. <laughs> I just feel like you need to be you need to be generous to the movie because the climax of the movie as it is, which is where most of your problems are, yeah. I, I think is that fair. Yeah, the climax fair. is not what 
the author intended it to be in any I sense. Just, I just feel like it could have, like, if they wanted to fix it, it could have been fixed in a much better way. And they threw so much money at those reshoots that they could have fixed it in a much better way. And it just, it that makes me angry. Yeah. That they just chose to fix it in a way that didn't work at all. You know what's crazy is it could have been worse. Could have been way worse. Of the two companies that wanted to make this movie, yeah. uh, the one he went with is this one that screwed up the ending so horribly. Mm-hmm. The other one wanted to do a story about Reagan McNeil giving birth to two possessed twins. <laughs> I almost did a spit take, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Which would have been funny for me. Not so funny for anyone listening. Cause also not funny for the microphone. No, it would, yes. <laughs> All they would have heard was the sound of Moisture hitting hitting their ears, followed by some static and me swearing um, about our broken microphone. Yeah, that sounds terrible. So, could have been worse. Could have been worse. But yeah, I think I think mostly it's just like it's when something something that has been so impressive and and especially on the back of a terrible movie, <laughs> kind of just it just fell so far in like the last thirty minutes. Um. And I, get, I was really happy with it until then. I don't. I did enjoy. Disagree with you. I'll say that. Okay. I did enjoy like our first like not our first but like the first real like jump scare in the hospital that we had with the um the nurse or whatever. Not oh, the, the hallway scene. Yeah. Um, that it's a very like scream moment where you you see the the per- the killer like running actually yeah. not just like floating <laughs> and I was yeah. like I was like oh how'd you feel about that scene by the way it's weird that scene is is famously one of the uh, best jump scares in horror cinema yeah I was scared um but it was like it was also that scene the whole scene is clearly laid out to go up to that. Well, that's why it's so good. It's this long shot of the hallway, and and the nurse is moving around. You have other shots in between of her doing other things, but it keeps coming back to this long, like far off shot of this hallway, which annoyed walking the, around him. the shit out of me. But you see, there's a reason for it because it keeps you like you you know. But some of them were not, so long. That but this it, but yeah. this one is is has a purpose to it though. I guess. Okay, so I'm not saying that the fact that this one scene has a purpose means that all the other boring shots are are. Yeah have a purpose too i think this movie would have been a lot better with william peter bloody as a producer supervising producer and a different director right yeah although to be Mm. fair you know the last Mm. time they made a sequel to the exorcist without bloody you saw what happened well he like i want him to be there i mean you can see wrote it you can see why he might be a little hesitant to give up any control at all yeah that's fair (laughs) Um, was was that too mansplaining just then about the, the hallway sequence no, you're fine. Okay. I worry about that. <laughs> I just want to share my my passion for the movie. I get it. I get it. But yeah, I know, and I do, like, I understand why they brought in the Father Morning character, because, like, you want there to be an exorcism? Do you? Did you want there to be an exorcism during the movie? In The Exorcist? Yes. Three. Legion. <laughs> I, I guess, like... But there's barely like he he does an exorcism for maybe two minutes and then he's yeah like, up and his been skin too... gets peeled off and he's out of the movie. Oh, it's gross. <laughs> it's very it just gross. got it, from something that had been so creepy and suspenseful. It got super graphic really quick, yeah. and that was not necessary. You can tell the reshoots they threw like not only all the exorcism stuff they could into it, yeah. but also all the gore they could. Yeah, because he gets like thrown up against the wall and then he gets pulled away as his skin like slowly peels uh, off. And, like, a pretty good, a pretty good 
practical effects shot, but one yeah. that does not need to be in the movie. Nope. Um, Can you imagine there was a time when studios would like order reshoots and fill them with practical effects? <laughs> Can you even believe that? Nineteen ninety, no. man, what a year! What a year! What a time to be alive. We were alive. Yeah. Sort of. When wasn't it great? It was great. Just laying around all day, doing nothing. Doing nothing. Shit in your pants. <laughs> <laughs> all that free food. Jason and I were both one. Taking take na- <laughs> take naps all day. Taking naps. Playing with... Free food, naps. You can be a baby again. You can, you can shit all the time. Whenever you want. Whenever you want. Oh, those were the days. Those were the days, All man. those bright colors and weird noises around you. <laughs> oh, that was That was great. Anyway. Yeah, I like Throwback Thursday. <laughs> no, I like I want I was expecting there to be an exorcism until we got real deep in the <laughs> in in the um the various scenes with uh um what I don't know what the character's name was. The the killer, the, the killer Karis. Yeah, Ka- the man in cell 11. The man in cell 11 and and Kinderman scene. And the book is called Tommy Sunshine. <laughs> Cuz he likes to sit in the sunshine. In, until we got really deep into those scenes, I was expecting there to be an exorcism at some point. And then I'm like, well, this, and, is, this and doesn't the, feel like an exorcist. Mo- like, it doesn't feel like a demon possession. And then what did the movie say, Kelsey? We heard what you said earlier, Kelsey. You want an exorcism? Here Get it comes. You and you said, the no, not now. This. Not like this. And they said, no, no, you wanted this. this Here comes the Father Morning. This bleach blonde guy with a nice voice. The 1990s Paul Bettany. I mean, are we going to make that a prequel? <laughs> I Okay, my pitch of this episode, if we're going to have a pitch every episode. We do have a lot of pitches, I feel. <laughs> okay, well, it, you know, Hollywood, you have our number. Well, you have our Twitter account. <laughs> um, we've already exhausted, I think, creatively every other corner of the Exorcist universe, except for Father Morning. Now, we've got two, arguably three movies about Father um, Marin's past as an mm-hmm. exorcist. We don't have any movies about Father Morning's exorcism in the Philippines. So, here's what I'm saying. I'm going to kickstart my own Father Morning prequel. Manila, 1985. Open on. Father Morning, in a village. He's sitting in a hut, leaning over, wiping sweat off his brow with a, with a cloth. Well, Manila's a city, but... A young... Okay. A young <laughs> I'm on a roll. A young boy from the village appears in the doorway. Father Morning looks up. The boy says... It's time. And Morning says, I'll be right there. He gets up. The boy walks away. Morning reaches out, touches a painting of Jesus, and says, This one's for you, big guy. Cut to titles. <laughs> Exorcist 5. Um, I mean, 6. Wait. Um, 4? Morning. <laughs> Exorcist 4. Morning, morning rising. <laughs> Exorcist 4. Morning breaks. Shit. That was it. <laughs> Morning breaks. You can cut that first part out. I'll cut that. First. <laughs> Theme song, Lincoln Parks. Lincoln Park, new song. <laughs> Theme song. They do. Oh no, 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 no! It's got to be Kendrick Lamar over a remix of Tubular Bells from the first movie. Yes. Rapping about demons and and, and war- warlocks and and werewolves and shit. Yes. People pay the shit to see that movie. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm starting <laughs> my, kick, my Kickstarter. Who, who, what actor would play the young P- Father Morning? It's gonna be like a young Paul Bettany type. How? I mean, he wasn't that old in this. Maybe like uh, the guy who plays Draco in uh, 
Oh, um, uh, oh. <laughs> in uh, Harry Potter. Tom Felton? Yeah. Tom, hey, Tom, are you busy? I feel like he'd be pretty, he looks kind of like him. You too. busy? I don't think so. No. I think you've got plenty of time, No, Tom. he's on He's on The Flash now. Is he? I think so, yeah. Oh, my God. So, Kelsey. Yes. The Exorcist trilogy. Right. We're bringing it around to final thoughts. Do you have any grand things you want to say about it? Well, as far as, like, my preconceived notions, I didn't really know that there was more than one Exorcist movie, besides, like, the prequels that had come out, in, like, in my lifetime yeah. that I, like, heard about. The first one was always something that I, you know, was in, in the, the zeitgeist or whatever, so I, like, was aware of it, and now I've seen it, and I feel good about that, and it was a very good movie. Um, the second one, I'm very glad that I saw because it's <laughs> a very, very bad movie. The third one is frustrating because I think it could be a much better movie. Mm. And it and it's it's not be good because it makes me angry at it. <laughs> because it could be so much better. Because it's frustrating. Yeah. It's not all the way It's not like way. it's a mediocre movie that like it's just a mediocre movie. It's a mediocre movie that could have been a really good movie. Yeah. Um and But even... no, I enjoyed this. Yeah. I feel like I went on a, a journey. You enjoyed it? Yeah. And the first one was so good. Like, I'm yeah. so glad I saw it. And I, it wasn't scary, but it was good. <laughs> I'm glad you were able to enjoy the first one. I'm glad I was able to bring that to you. So the Exodus trilogy, did it ironically ruin your life or non-ironically ruin your life? Probably a little both. Yeah, it's not a great system, right? No. It's not, it's not a good rating system. I didn't really think we had a rating system. I sort of tried it out last time. I don't remember that. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, okay. No, I think it was a little both. No, we're working on it. We're working on it. We'll, we'll workshop that one. Yeah. Now the real challenge, Kelsey. Oh, God. Yes, this is it. You ready? Yeah. Can you, Kelsey Goldman, recommend to me, Jason Edwards, yeah. any similar movie or TV show or book or thing? It's a thing. A thing. Um, we're talking about this a little bit because I remember that I had to do it. <laughs> and the only thing that I could think of was the Indiana Jones movies, which you've sort of seen. I've seen one and a half of them. <laughs> um, because I feel like they have the sort of same breakdown in that uh, the first one's really good. Classic. The second one is kind of shitty. Not as shitty as, <laughs> as uh, the second Exorcist movie, but it's it's just not, it's widely seen as not as good as the other two. And then the third one is like a little bit hokey, but fun. <laughs> um, and has Sean Connery, so I like it. Um, I feel like that's a good analogy. Yeah. Would you describe Exorcist 3 Legion as pretty hokey, but fun? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's pretty fair. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, and I think if I'd gone into it not expecting it to be a a good movie, I would have had more fun with it. I may have overhyped it, but also I can't help it because it's one of my favorite movies. I, and I get it. I saw it when I was a teenager, so yeah. it's, it's always got that yeah, special no, I place think, in my I think, heart. I think, I think if I'd gone into it with, like, this is a fun movie, so this is a, a moderately enjoyable movie, I probably would have had more fun with it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that's probably... And then, you know, any subsequent movies coming out way after the trilogy are just bad. <laughs> and we don't Very talk good. about them. <laughs> That's a, I think it's a very good parallel you've drawn. Yeah. And, um, and even though I've, I have seen some of those movies, I will still count it because I have well, not seen all three. Even though I think The Last Crusade isn't as good a movie, it's my favorite of them, which is the third one. Mm -hmm. 
which I think is it's very analogous here. So wow. you need to see that. Same. Yeah. But yeah, I think that'd be that'd be a fun one. Yeah. People would like that one. People love those movies. Yeah. People are kind of mixed on these movies, but uh, <laughs> people love Indiana Jones. What's well, fun? Um, yeah. So I think that would probably be my like analogous recommendation. Even though you've seen the second one, which I don't think is a good one to start out with. We've seen half of the second one. Yeah. I was. Can I tell this story? Yeah. I was maybe seven, and I wanted to see the. No, I was eight because my family and I had uh, recently that previous summer gone to Walt Disney Studios, mm-hmm. or rather Walt Disneyland, known to some as Disneyland. Land. World. Thank you. Disney World. Very different. And we saw the Indiana Jones experience, the stunt experience. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Where they do all the stuff, like he, he runs from the boulder and everything. Yeah, Disney World was um, my family's go-to destination. Yeah, Disney World's the shit, right? Disney World's the shit. We should go. Give us free stuff. And <laughs> after that, I wanted to see Indiana Jones. So we went to the video store. We went, we went to we went to movies, actually. Movies? We, we discussed last episode. <laughs> yeah. And we found Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Right. And I said, no, Mom, Dad, I'm pretty sure this is the second one. And they said, no, 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 this is the first one with the boulder and everything. Nope. And I said, okay. And so we went home and popped in the in the tape player and got to the part where they ripped the guy's heart out of his chest. That's pretty far into the movie. Yes, it is. <laughs> and my parents said, nope, this is not the first one. And turned it off. Cool, Roger and Sherry. And I had chest anxiety forever. Yeah, and it's... Yeah, I think it actually, it's a pretty good analogy as far as, like, it's actual action-adventure movies you, you, versus horror movies. You're kind of feeling yourself now, aren't you? Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> the second one is, like, unnecessarily gratuitous, and I also think the second one, like, gets away from what it is, because the best Indiana Jones movies are the ones when he's fighting Nazis. <laughs> Let me ask you this. Yeah. The the locusts were a big thing in, in, in Exorcist 2. Mm-hmm. Isn't there a scene with a bunch of bugs in Exorcist in, um isn't there a scene Temple with a bunch of, of bugs and I think there is, yeah. Okay, well, I guess that about does it. It's been a long day here, having watched all these three <laughs> movies in one day. One day. Real long day. It's nighttime now. What did, it is nighttime. It is nighttime now. It is nighttime now. What a day it's been. I guess that's it for us for this time. Uh, yeah. Thanks for listening. Thanks. Follow us on Twitter at RuinMyLifeCast. Do that. Subscribe on iTunes. Definitely subscribe. Leave us a review. That'd be awesome. Yeah, Tell I mean, if you, if you feel like it, if it's good for us. If you like us. us yeah. Please. I mean, you know, don't lie or anything, but... I mean, you, you have... can lie. You can lie if you want to. Okay. I mean, if you have anything bad to say, just, just don't keep it to it. yourself. Uh, special thanks to Carly Sussman for designing our logo. And uh, special thanks to the uh, Danny Bowd and the Weeping Willards uh, for the use of their song Outside in the Rain from their self-titled album. You should go download it on Bandcamp. Download it. Name your own price. It's really good. Pay as much as you want, but pay a fair price. But, yeah, pay pay some pay some money. They're working musicians. They deserve a fair wage. And they're good. They're good. It's very good. I think it's about time for us to pack up the old case. Yeah, finish this alien and vodka. Hitch up our uh, our our, our drawers. Go lunch at Dorothea. Put it button up our jackets and head out the door down down the down the road. Down the stairs. Down the stairs and then down the road down to the stairs to the to the next. Destination on our podcast. <laughs> I didn't do that. It was me. It's Pazuzu. It's Pazuzu. Ah, uh, the bad locust. Okay, we're gonna go now. Okay, goodbye. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye. 
They wish I would go ahead and fuck my life up. Can't let them get to me. And even though I always fuck my life up, only I can mention me. They wish I would go ahead and fuck my life up. Can't let them get to me. And even though I always fuck my life up, only I can mention me. Only I can mention me. Only I can mention me.